What up, Long Beach? Hope you brought your jacket and your beanie because this weather is playoff football weather. And we have got three, yes, count them, three playoff games this week for our local Long Beach High School teams. Long Beach Poly, Lakewood, and Milliken are all going to be in action. Long Beach Poly and Milliken are going to be at home. Lakewood just down the road at Redondo Union. So a lot of local interest for these games, and we are fired up for them at the 562.org where you're going to find all of the previews for those games, including features for each of the teams. I'm JJ. He's Mike. He's Tyler. And uh, we're just pumping out the podcast over the last three weeks, trying <laughs> to get as much of our takes on record as possible because we have got a lot to say about these matchups, starting, of course, with Los Alamitos and Long Beach Poly at Veterans Memorial Stadium. It is so chock full of history and amazing things, but it's also the type of matchup that gets us out of our hovel, our podcast <laughs> studio, and gets us into the press box here at 1600 Atlantic Avenue. We are watching Long Beach Poly football practice right now. You know it's playoff time when everybody's wearing a hoodie under their shells. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the look. Right, 100%. Uh, we, I, def I tweeted out earlier this week, Jade, it's definitely playoff football weather this week, right? Last week it was like, it was starting to get a little cold, but this week when you're like a little bit miserable, that's when you know it's time for if the If you playoffs. don't have a beanie this week, that's on you. <laughs> well, and it's, it's great to be at Bertram Field and to kind of, you know, just been reliving the history, right, of, of Polly and Losau in the playoffs and out of the playoffs. It's just two great local rivals. And this is the matchup, really, that we all wanted to see, right? I mean, CIF went Some off more of vocal the, about it than others. Well, no doubt. Credit to JJ. You know, but when this bracket came out, it's a dream for CIF. I mean, they're going off the Cal Preps rankings that, you know, obviously they can manipulate the number of teams in Division One. but when it became obvious that there was a chance for Polly and Los Al to play each other in the first, not in the first round, but in their first game right. as a quarterfinal, I mean, that's an opportunity too good to pass up. Yeah, it really is, man. It really is. And, and, and I think that's actually a great place to start. We will obviously get to Lakewood and Milliken games and preview, preview those a little bit. Like I said, the preview is also available at the562.org. And we're also going to be joined in just a couple minutes by uh, Dalen Austin, senior All-American from Long Beach Poly, and Poly coach Stephen Barbie uh, will be joining us as well. So definitely stick around for that as well. But before we get to that, we've got to talk about the history, because the history is why you get excited about a, a playoff matchup like this, right? Long Beach Poly, Los Alamitos have played a lot. It's a proximity infatuation, because really they don't have the amount of games it would take to have a rivalry, but it seems like a rivalry every time they meet. Tyler, you've done some incredible job tracking down some of that history, and I know I mentioned it last week, but you know it, it's games like these, these games against Long Beach Poly and Los Al, that, that mark times, right? Like the 2004 game where Deshaun Jackson breaks open an otherwise unoffensive game, right? It wasn't like a defensive slugfest, but there wasn't really a lot going on in that game. And I remember watching that game, being a recent graduate of high school, thinking, gosh, if only I could have been involved in games like this. And with teams like this and programs like this, this is this is what I really wanted. And then you saw Deshaun Jackson, and Tyler, correct me if I'm wrong, it was a punt return, correct? Or was it an interception return that he broke that game open with? It was like 80-something yards, right? Yeah, so that was... <laughs> you know, really, it's uh, put together this history, and I call that game kind of the quintessential Poly Losal game, right? It's the one that people kind of go back to, and you know, it was two great teams playing for a CIF championship at Angel Stadium, and yeah, JJ uh, Deshaun with two interceptions in that game. The first, a pick six in the first quarter, 68 yarder, um, and and Poly had three interceptions of Jimmy Barnes in that game. Um, the son of 
Longtime Los Al head coach John Barnes, the quarterback, eventually went on to Alabama where he played for Nick Saban. Um, so obviously a high recruit there. And Deshaun Jackson, that all-American cornerback, uh, he only had two catches for 11 yards in that game, but yet he is the guy yeah. that <laughs> took control of that game with those two interceptions and just that game-breaking speed. Los Al didn't, didn't have an answer for it, and they could not figure out how to get past that poly defense. And that's what wins in the playoffs more often than not. Well, when we were working at the other newspaper here in Long Beach, we were covering a lot more schools, including like St. John Bosco and Los Alamitos. So we were doing season previews. So I would go over to Los Al and just kind of hang out with Coach Barnes, who was a really interesting guy. I don't think a lot of people know the real Coach Barnes, kind of because he decided for that to be the case, but also just because if you don't sit down with somebody and talk football with him for 15 minutes, you really don't know him. He could not shut up about how good Deshaun Jackson was in that game. <laughs> Guys, this is like a couple years ago, right? So like a decade late, decade plus later, he's still talking about how incredible that game was, how incredible the guy who picked off his son was. I remember him talking about that pick six and he said, quote, I don't think I had ever seen anybody move like that before. Talking about the way Deshaun Jackson was moving with the ball after that interception. That's saying a lot for a guy who's seen his fair share of high school football. And I think that's what also adds to the lore of this matchup and these programs is that so many incredible football minds have come through them, both on the field and on the sideline. Yeah, that's a great point, and we're going to see some of those minds on the sideline on Friday night at Mets. I know that uh, Jerry Jaso and Raul Lara have both uh, put in their ticket requests. So, uh, <laughs> Stephen Barbie, you know, I'll, I'll mention that to him, but, like, there's a wealth of knowledge in coaching against Los Al because I think every poly coach, actually except for AP, every poly coach who has coached against Los Al will be there. Uh, and Tyler's got a great breakdown of, you know, how some of those games have gone in the past. Yeah, so the first meeting between Losau and Long Beach Poly came back in 94. That was actually the only other time that they've played in a quarterfinal. And I do want to throw a quick note at the beginning. These teams, their first six meetings were all in the playoffs. Every time they've met in the playoffs, it's been Division One. Wow. So that that's the reason that they haven't played more. That's a big deal for two public schools. That's yeah. a really big deal for two public schools at, at this juncture in, uh, in, in the CIF because you've got teams like Corona Centennial that are mainstays. You've got teams like Mission Viejo that are mainstays. Poly and Los Al have both kind of been down and have now come back up into Division One as historic programs of that caliber. But um, it's a big deal to have a rivalry series like that that Unlike a Corona Centennial Norco, unlike a Mission Viejo San Clemente, one side is kind of always a little bit further down than the other one. You know, here are the two programs that every time they play, they're right up there with the best in Southern California. Well, and that was that was sort of Los Al's welcome to the big time moment was that game against Polly. That I mean, <laughs> it extended quite a winning streak for the Griffins. They won seven nothing back in 1994 mm. to improve their winning streak to 47 games. I bet wow. at I, the time. I bet that game was not a lot of fun to watch, JJ. I'm just I bet you be it was a blast to watch. <laughs> to be honest with you, honestly, and I know you're going to get there, Tyler, but that's a good place to put it in. There is a there's something about watching a football game and not caring what the score is, and still enjoying the football. And honestly, it was games like that 04 championship game, Polly and LaSalle, that my dad pointed out to me while we were watching it. He's like, this is a great game. I was like, it's 7-0. He's like, yeah, but are you watching the football? Don't right. watch the scoreboard. Watch the football. And and these, like, mashes between these two styles uh, created a lot of that, like, you know, immo immovable force, you know, immovable object, powerful force. The, the, these things are great football, no matter what the score is. Well, and there were 12,000 people at that first meeting, so... Uh, <laughs> wow! I'm sure, I hope that they were excited, and I hope we get something close to that on Friday. 
but we'll, we'll see. It took a while for the tickets to go on sale, but hopefully people are gobbling those up and we'll fill the vet um, because we can accommodate 12,000 at yeah. vets, and that would Proven. be pretty awesome. If uh, and if you are listening to this and don't yet have a ticket to a game for Polly or Millican or on the road, Lakewood against Redondo Union, you can go to the 562.org, and we do have links to buy tickets for all three of those games. Overall in this series, guys, Polly and LaSalle have played 10 times. Polly leading the series 8-2. to two which is pretty impressive. They've outscored uh, the Griffins 211 to 116 during that time. Wow. All of that doesn't really mean anything for this year's team. This is a very different right? LaSalle team than the, the traditional uh, makeup of that program, for sure. And you know how I can prove that to you, Mike? <laughs> yes. LaSalle has never scored more than 20 points against Long Beach Poly. And wow. I think they're pretty keen on doing that yeah. on Friday, wouldn't you say? I mean, Take me no... over. Well, <laughs> I just don't. Does LaSalle see a path to victory in this game in which they don't score at least three touchdowns, right? I mean, they have to be relying on the fact that their offense is just yeah. going to put up more points than Polly can keep pace with. No, I, I think that's absolutely. I, I don't think they've gone into any game this year thinking they're scoring less than 35, 42 points. And quite frankly, every time they've scored less than 35 points, those have been the games, the two games they lost, where they scored 27 and 28 points. So, you know, they do have games where they've scored 69 points against a Trinity League opponent. It's a very impressive offense. But what is funny, you know, just thinking over my own memories of JJ and I have covered, I think, five of these games. Um, it's interesting that it's kind of always the same story. An explosive low-sell offense with some really highly touted playmakers coming up against a really hungry, good poly defense. That's basically what it always breaks down to. And for all of the things that it feels like have changed, these teams going down in division, the teams coming back up, LaSalle bringing in, you know, the talent that they've had in there, Polly rebuilding around Barbie in sort of a different way. It's the exact same thing where you're like, oh, all-American quarterback at LaSalle, all-American defensive back at Polly. It's just sort of baked into the soil at those two schools. Well, and what I think is so interesting, Mike, is you mentioned that, yeah, you and JJ have covered five of these games, and that's true. You've covered half of the existing rivalry, which feels like a much bigger deal. We old, bro. <laughs> it's just, but it's been so condensed, right? It's just been so condensed into the last, uh, what is it, 28 years yeah. of, of local high school football. And the, the games have often been so meaningful. And because they are kind of local rivals and very different in like the personality of their communities and of their coaches and everything like that, um, it feels like there's there's so much more depth to this rivalry, even though it is just those 10 games. Uh, also of note, Losal handed Stephen Barbie his first loss as Polly head coach, so maybe uh, the sweater so, was the sweater. The sweater was sad that night. Right. I do recall that game. It's a sad sweater. So yes. maybe maybe some uh, some get back on the mind for Barbie personally. But yeah, the last four meetings have been in the regular season. The last time they played in the playoffs was all the way back in 2009. Polly won that game 24-7. Um, an amazing defensive performance from Polly in that one. And what's great is that... And then almost beat Servite the next week. Yes, that's that's correct. But every every game of the last five games since 2009, there is a Mike and JJ and sometimes Tyler highlight video of that game. So you can go back and relive the recent half of the rivalry and uh, and just take, your, take yourself back in the time machine and get excited about Jackrabbits and Griffins. So I think when you look at the the sort of matchup, right, and we'll talk a little bit more with uh, Barbie and Dalen Austin about this. When you look at the matchup, we can all sort of maybe give a little bit of a key. I think the number one key for Polly is just the defensive line. The defensive line has gotten home against every quarterback that they've played, really, including the non-league schedule. They were able to hold Sarah, I believe, under 100 passing yards. Mission Viejo did score 30-plus points against them, but 
They had some timely sacks that cut off what would have been game-changing touchdown drives by mission to go up by two scores or to take the lead back late in the game. And so I think that's the big key. We obviously know that Malachi Nelson could sit back in the pocket and absolutely shred any defense in in uh, really in America, right? He's that good. His playmakers are that good on the outside. There's a reason that he and Makai Lemon are both as highly recruited as they are. So to me, if I'm going one key, it's does Arizona commit Dom Lolisio get to Malachi Nelson? Does Phoenix Tusa as a def- at the defensive tackle position, is he able to get in there and move him out of the pocket? Is uh, Ola or whoever else is at the other DN spot able to get in and create that pressure? And I think that really is going to be the story of this game. No, I mean, I completely agree. When you've got, you know, when you've got big time playmakers, you have to make them uncomfortable because if he's comfortable, you, you said it earlier, Mike, they will put big numbers up on that scoreboard. But Polly absolutely did that. You go, you know, you struggle with, you know, these poly, the Polly teams that get kind of six weeks kind of off, you know, to not, they haven't been tested in more league play. They didn't have to play a close game or, or really get challenged, obviously only giving up six points. So we can see with the eye test that it's a good defense. We know based on the numbers that they match. They gave up 70 points all season. Yep. Right. And they match the best defense in more league history, only allowing six points, but we still have to see the switch go back on. And I think the key in that Mission Viejo game was the defense. They weren't perfect. They gave up points, but they got pressure. They created a turnover. Phoenix Tusa with that pick six that was a big turning point in that game to kind of just keep Polly in it uh, or in that first half. And they also just forced pressure and some bad throws to help their corners. Because you can't ask these, you know, the cornerbacks, as good as Polly's DBs are, they don't have their full complement in the secondary, and to ask them to cover some elite wide receivers for four or five seconds, it's just not going to work with the type of arm strength and the accuracy that Nelson has uh, with the ball in his hand. So I, I completely agree. You've got to disrupt the offense, maybe take some chances, and, you know, make some big plays. But that's what Polly's defenses do in playoff wins. <laughs> going back to right. Deshaun Jackson, you got to make plays. But that's that's nothing new for a Jackrabbit defense to get looked at when the weather drops and it's this time of the year and say, we need you guys to make some plays. But I will say this, Polly's offense, much more dynamic than it usually is at playoff time where you're just kind of relying on the running Absolutely. game. Polly's offense does have the skill. Legitimately to, two great quarterbacks going up against each other with Darius Curry going for Polly for sure. Yeah, I don't want to undersell uh, Curry just because Nelson might get a little bit more of the pub and is a little bit more high profile because yep. Curry has put together an awesome season and hasn't gotten the amount of reps and time in the game yeah. because of the running clocks and all that stuff in more league play. Yeah, I think across the surface you could say at the end of the night, Whoever had the longest touchdown probably won the game. Whoever's getting the big plays. If, if Losa has a touchdown of over 50 yards, things are probably going their way, and vice versa. If Polly gets the same thing, you're like, well, if Polly got a big play, they're obviously in this game, and they're going to have a chance to win it. I'm going to go a little bit deeper, and I teased this last week, but when it happens, remember this, okay? Here it comes. We got the Long Beach Poly defense and the Los Al offense as our matchup. I think that's absolutely correct. I think that's the matchup of the night, the game, the season, really. Because whatever, whoever comes out of this is going to be battle-tested for next week. That is for sure. But there's going to be a thing. Something's going to happen early on in this game. It's probably going to be in the first quarter. Think back to the last time the Poly defense has had a big play against them. Think back to the last time the Poly defense saw somebody complete a ball... 25 yards or more, or a long touchdown, or even anything that was that would resemble good offense. 
It's been months. So when that happens on Friday, when Losal gets their 20, like a catch it at 10, shake a tackler, get 25 yards or whatever, right? The band's playing, the crowd's loud, it's early, so everybody's into it. Mentally, how Polly responds on the very next play, and I'm not even talking about the defense. I'm talking about the sideline and the crowd and the offense. If the Polly offense sees Losal offense do that and goes, well, we got to do that too, they're behind the eight ball. That's not where you want to be. If the poly defense says, oh, shoot, we're in for it tonight, that's also not good. That's not what you want to do. Mentally, Polly has to walk into this game understanding that they are going up in weight class in a way that no other team in the southern section has to when they get into the playoffs. And once they get there, they will have a plan. They will get punched in the mouth. But when that happens, they need to bounce back the same way they bounced back in the Mission Viejo game and in the Sarah game last year and all of the times that they've been able to do it because they've had practice. They haven't had practice doing that this year. So whatever happens after that first big play in the first quarter is going to tell everybody everything they need to know about the next three. Couldn't, could not agree more, and I think one of the strengths of this team, JJ, has been their resilience and their culture. That sideline is as healthy uh, as we've seen it at Poly. And uh, I'll, I'll piggyback off what you just said for another point. Um, you know, the crowd, I think, is going to be a really big factor. I, I, I mean, we just haven't seen, you know, everyone's been asking me, what was the last game this big? And I... I honestly think I would probably go, if you're talking games in Long Beach, I'd go back to the Poly Bosco Fog Bowl in 2012. I just don't think mm -hmm. we've had a game like that um, of that magnitude. Now, you know, they hosted Modern Day, uh, I believe, the next year, yep. um, and it did not go well. But, you kind of, I mean, at least I, I think everyone kind of had a sense that things were sort of tilting in the other direction at that point. So I think this is huge, um, and I do think we're, gonna, we're looking at, you know, a really big, loud crowd at Vets that I think uh, – how both teams stand up to that will have a lot to do with the outcome of this game. No, I think that's a great read, Mike. When I got asked that same question, I, that was my answer as well, that Fog Bowl being the biggest game in Long Ten Beach. Ten years and, ago, guys. And biggest game at Vets. Yeah, no. It's, right, if we do, it's, hey, if we do this another four years, right, by the math, there would be four games as big as this game. Right, for sure. <laughs> uh, one, one thing I did want to touch on because, you know, everyone talks about the kind of disadvantage that Polly has going into the playoffs if they don't get tested in more league play. And, and more league play was obviously, um, it was pretty much a breeze for the Jackrabbits this year as it's been often uh, in their history. But there are some advantages to that as long as you practice well and you can keep that edge and that intensity and that focus even when fr Friday nights are, you know, kind of a scrimmage feeling, right? Um, so, Mike, you've been, you've been out at a lot of practices and kind of seen how th this team has handled that challenge. And then the other thing, too, is that you get a little healthier as well. Right. You can rest some guys, you know, Polly hoping to have some, some guys back in the fold. We saw Devin Samples come back and, and have limited action against Jordan in the season finale. So while Losal has the advantage of being a little bit more battle-tested consistently throughout the season, Polly also has some advantages to the rest and being able to kind of focus on some things and work on things behind closed doors. Is that something that you've kind of seen, Mike, the development of this team that isn't necessarily publicly viewable? Yeah, for sure. And I, I have been uh, been in a couple practices a week for the whole season, and I would agree with everything you just said. I mean, I, th I think <laughs> good this, job, me. <laughs> but but you know, but you know, I think I think something that's really underrated in um, in uh, particularly in top level high school football is. Um, coaching is not about giving speeches, right? It's about adjustments. It's about an ability to simplify schemes for players. And this is a coaching staff that's been almost completely intact for three seasons now. And I think that you can really see that. I think it was clear in the Mission Viejo game. Um, this is a team that knows what they're about, that knows what they're doing. And I, I don't think you can undersell the importance of that 
Um, they have had some high-profile transfers, but this is not a team that was built on transfers, and it is a team that just really, really knows its system um, and works really well together as we're watching uh, Taiyi Burford, uh, you know, the, the disciplined coach at Poly, <laughs> putting them through their paces at the end of this practice. He's made sure that they're, they're hanging together for sure. Better them than me, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're going to have the links to the tickets for all three games at the 562.org so make sure you check that out if you want to get there and if you can't get to those games make sure you're following with our live updates it's on the website if you don't follow us on twitter you can just refresh the page and watch as the live score updates uh come in so like we said up top we're going to have some special interviews coming up from this long beach poly football practice but also as we mentioned not the only game in town Milliken is going to be hosting cypress from just down the 405 slash 22. And the Rams <laughs> are looking good after a blowout win on the road. Guys, you went and saw Milliken give Saugus the proverbial business. So you got to be feeling really good about their chances in the second round, right? I, I think so for sure. I mean, that, that game was not as close as the final score indicated. Milliken did get off to a shaky start for exactly two drives <laughs> yep. you know the first the first drive on offense couldn't have gone too much worse they had a holding penalty then a sack that they allowed and then the first drive for Saugus couldn't have gone much worse uh big run good productive pass play big run for a touchdown bing bang boom three minutes in you're down seven nothing but the response from there talk about how you respond to getting punched in the mouth jj milliken just completely dominated scoring uh 49 unanswered points to go up 49 7 um and just really did send a message that this is a more resilient more mature group um that is extremely talented and in division four um they've got just a really impressive array of athletes that are going to be a tough matchup for anyone they go up against including cyprus this week mike what was your kind of uh read on getting to see Milliken's first game. Yeah, I'll be honest. I, I made a similar comment to Romeo Pelham uh, after that win that I did to Stephen Barbie after their first win in the Division Four playoffs last year. I just kind of looked at him and was like, man, if y'all don't win this division. But <laughs> <laughs> no pressure, but... <laughs> but, you know, Milliken came in technically as the lower seed in that game, um, and you just saw what we expected to see, what we talked about on last week's podcast. The talent differential was pretty substantial, JJ. <laughs> It was, yeah. it was, you know, it was a Milliken team that has got some really elite kids. Um, I think you make the same positive statements about Milliken that I just made about Polly. It's a coaching staff that's been together. They obviously had the, um, you know, the, the couple week stretch where Rome was not with the team this year. But you saw the way they came back from that and immediately snapped back um, to where they were before he'd had to step away. And I just think that this is a Milliken team that the coaches know what they're doing. The kids know what they're running. The confidence level is high. I think they needed that first two series struggle in that Saugus game a little bit just to show themselves, hey, that we've got a margin of error here. We don't need to be perfect. We can just go play and be a little bit more free. And I think scoring 49 unanswered points after two bad drives will kind of help to, to sell that to the kids a little bit. Well, and they didn't hit the panic button. You know, what did they do after yes. those first two drives? They came down and they ran the ball with Jaden Hunt and got big chunks of yards. And, and Milliken being able to run the ball consistently and take what the defense gives them, because if other teams are going to only put five in the box, they're going to need, they're just going to run the ball, right? Like right. you've got to take those, because they know how good Ryan Pelham, Jordan Anderson, Angelo Miranda, Matt Martinez, Charlie Broughton, like they've got receivers, obviously Miles Jackson, a historic season at quarterback, slinging it all over the yard. So teams are going to be prepared to try to, you know, protect against the deep ball, make sure they're covering themselves laterally. And so if Milliken has the opportunity to pound the rock and 
pick up chunks of yards that way and take the pressure off their passing game, they're going to be kind of an unstoppable unit in these playoffs. Yeah, and that, I, the last point I wanted to make just from our interview was I, I asked Romeo Pell, I said, what are you thinking you're down 7-0 after these two bad drives? Because, you know, this was, look, I mean, it's great to do better in the Moore League. It's great to be up in Division Four. It's great to have a better non-league record. But you're, they're playing for a championship. That's what they've tried to be to, yeah. to build towards. And so none of that really means anything if you come out here and lay an egg in the first round of the playoffs. And, he, and you know what he said? I loved his response, and it goes to everything J.J. was just talking about as well. He said, you know, I looked at both my coordinators, and I said, is it fixed? Do you got it? And they said yes, and they were right. Yeah, <laughs> narrator. They right. did have it. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and, I th- and I think that tells you everything you need to know about what they gained, wh- where they got better. I think that's a place they got better in that game. So if you're looking at Cypress, they are undefeated this year, and anytime you run into a team that's undefeated, you got to tip your cap. You know what I mean? No matter who you're playing, you got to get out there and handle your business every single Friday night, and they've done that. But like Mike said, they have not seen a Miles Jackson this year. So the defense that has put up some pretty impressive numbers is going to be tested. Also, important to note, the Cypress defense doesn't really put a lot of pressure on offenses. It only has 13 sacks this year. They've only they've got less than 15 forced turnovers this year. So that's interesting that they've been able to be so good, giving up less than 150 uh, points this season in their 11 games uh, and still not be able to turn the ball over and create havoc. So that'll be interesting to watch if they can kind of uh, take the ball away from the Millican Rams. However, the guy you need to watch if you're looking at it is number 15, Aiden Houston. He is a junior quarterback for Cypress and he is their everything. Not only does he throw for over 2,500 yards, <laughs> he's also run for almost 1,000 yards. So for those of you counting at home, that's almost 4,000 yards of offense from one guy, Aiden Houston, like I said, number 15. So all these Millican defenders have got to have 15 dancing in their head all week long, thinking about how they can limit this guy. Because he's also got like one target as well. Morell, number three, has over 1,200 yards receiving. So like he's got more than half of the receiving yards. Houston's got more than half of their rushing yards, right. and he's got all of their passing yards. So really, it's one of those old school, like when I was in school, our defensive coordinator used to give us a scouting scouting report of the team, and always their best player was a picture in the middle with a cross through it. And basically yeah. he was saying, like, if we eliminate this guy from this game, mm-hmm. we're going to be fine. Well, 15 is definitely in that crosshairs. Uh, absolutely. No, it's a, does, Milliken, does Milliken have a guy who can mark that guy out of the game? What do we think? Well, number one, I'd out. say number one. Yeah. I'd, say, if you, I'd say Ryan Pelham. Well, I mean, it's one of those situations where if you've got like kind of a primary go-to target, Milliken's got lockdown corners on both sides of the field. True. So they don't even have to like chase you know uh, Ryan Pelham or Jordan Anderson around. Those guys can stay wherever they want to stay. And it's like, all right, my turn to kind of shut you down uh, with their physicality, with their speed, with their ball skills with their length i mean they've <laughs> it's it's a it's a pretty big luxury in division four to have a couple of athletes like that on the defensive side of the ball but you mentioned it jj i mean 24 passing touchdowns and 18 rushing touchdowns the 18 Houston. rushing touchdowns are almost more impressive than any yes. other stat i gave like your quarterback scored 18 rushing touchdowns are, are you running the single wing it's pretty <laughs> wild so i mean that but that is a concern for millican is stopping that run um, they're tr- you know hoping to be a little bit healthier on the defensive front, which will certainly help them. Craig Gordon has been really really impressive for them. Yes, kind of locking down a, their run a, defense. He had, a, he had a great game against. I was Arnest gonna say too. Gordon. Really I was did. gonna say Robinson as well. Gonna need yeah. to have a big game. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think Riley Tuggle having the the lateral quickness, a little more speed at linebacker. Yeah. He could be the guy that maybe is spying and making sure you know that Houston's not getting sideline to sideline and breaking contain. But it will take 
you know, another composed defensive performance, another focused defensive performance. And if Milliken can force turnovers, watch out. And Cyprus is coming off of a close game. They only won 28-26 at like, home against Highland. It might be their only close game of the year, I believe, or, or at least their only close game in Recently. the last two few months. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, you got to like Milliken with having that home crowd. You know, it's it's a little That's bit of concern of not on. having school That's what I was going to close on. No school on Friday, yeah. but Milliken's... Uh, administration has done a great job getting that thing going, and now it's time for the students to take it from here. Students of Milliken, attention, attention, attention. <laughs> Show up on Friday night, because that could really honestly turn into a party if the thing goes like it went at at Saugus, and that's not a thing you want to miss. That's like a moment, especially if you're like an upperclassman in school. They might not play at home again. Think about that. Mm -hmm. A coin flip here or there, it could happen where they don't play at home again. So right. you want to see your your football team that has been so, so good play a home playoff game. You just want to. You got to be there. You got to be there. Got to be at DeHaven. You can't just show up to Lakewood and see the Lancers play. That's a bummer because Lakewood is on the road at Redondo Union where they're also going to have a great atmosphere. That Redondo Union student section getting awards for being good. They are the Seahawks, two words but they are the flock or the <laughs> nest or whatever the heck that thing is called. So they're really excited about that game over there at Redondo Union. And so is Lakewood because tell Lakewood a month and a half ago that they're in the playoffs and they're like, yes, we'll take whatever. But then after a pretty dominant performance over Hemet, following two dominant performances from their defenses against Wilson and Compton, Lakewood's feeling really good going into this game. And after three straight weeks of preparing for a run-first offense, Lakewood's preparing for a pass-first offense. Do you want any proof of that? Just go back on the 562.org and you can see these same Redondo Union Seahawks taking on the Wilson Bruins and just running roughshod over that Bruins defense because they throw the ball so well. Some of the coordinators and players over at Lakewood said that this Redondo Union offense reminds them of the Jordan offense that they were able to beat. And the Jordan offense showed a lot this year. So that's actually kind of high praise for Lakewood to be saying that about Redondo Union. Redondo Union is just going to be a big, fat test for this Lakewood Lancers team on both sides of the ball. Yeah, but interesting that Redondo Union coming in having lost three of their last five games, so not necessarily in the best uh, rhythm. They actually had a losing record two and three uh, in the Bay League. And they were two-point uh, winners as well over Village Christian yep. in their first-round game uh, on the road. So they go on the road first. Now they get the home game. Um, but, J.J., that, that Lakewood defense, I mean, you were there for their for their win. Um, that Lakewood defense is really playing good football. The Red and, Swarm's back, baby. I mean, they, they completely dominated that game. And if if they hadn't given up the, the touchdown on offense, I right, guess on exactly. the pick six, it would have been an even more lopsided game. So that, that's a pretty good thing to, to lean on, knowing that you have a defense and a running game in Caleb Foster and a big offensive line that will travel and hopefully help the Lancers control that football game. From, from the second half of this season to the second half of every game they've played this month and last, this Lakewood team is a second half team. So they just got to keep this thing close in the first half and then let their weight, literal and figurative, lean on that Redondo Union team and then take it to the fourth quarter again close. And I like them in a playoff football game in the fourth quarter. You know what I mean? Sometimes those passing games don't translate to the playoffs. You can always run the ball. And as we've seen in the last two months, Caleb Foster can run the frickin' ball. Well, and did you feel like this Lakewood team was a little bit more confident going behind in that game given that they just won two like kind of must win games and, without question yeah i mean they just have that certain 
swagger about them the last two weeks of the regular season that kind of set them up and looked like they were ready for a playoff. Listen, run. Coach Justin Utupo is an alum from Lakewood. He knows what it looks like when they're good. He knows what it looks like when they're bad. And he said after last season, it was bad. It was as if everybody was just expecting bad things to happen. And that's fair. A lot of those kids had been on a football team for four years where not a lot of good things happened, COVID included. But now all of a sudden it's turning around and you can see them embrace the positivity because they have a great coaching staff who honestly cares about them. And it's just a good group of kids. Honestly, I would not be surprised if Lakewood comes out of Redondo Union winners on Friday night. All right, obviously you can tell we're super fired up for all three of those games. We will have your live coverage all over the website of all three of those games, so be sure and check that out. Also, next week we are gonna be putting up previews of all of the winter sports, and we are still looking for sponsors for our basketball and wrestling coverage. So if you're interested in that, you can reach out to Tyler. His email is tyler at the562.org. But uh, yes, just even as fall is continuing to get more and more exciting, we've still got some more exciting stuff around the corner here in Long Beach. Stick around for our interviews with Dalen Austin and Stephen Barbie. All right, we're excited to welcome on senior LSU commit, All-American defensive back, Dalen Austin. Dalen, thanks for coming on the show, man. Uh, thanks for having me. Appreciate y'all. Uh, kind of a big week. Definitely seeing the intensity pick up last week and this week uh, leading into this big game against Flosal. I feel like the matchup everyone's looking forward to is your guys' defense versus their offense. Um, how confident are you guys? How are you feeling going into this big game? Uh, I'm super confident in our defense. You know, we've been playing great all year. Uh, this is just another game for us. You know, they have a talented quarterback and talented receiving core, but you know, I feel like our DBs and our D linemen are going to step up for us. How excited are you for that opportunity, right? Like, this, these are the games you want, right? You're a guy. You know, you're an All-American. Like, we know what kind of player you are. We've seen yep. you for the past couple years. But now you, you get this kind of opportunity, this stage, to go against, you know, really talented, high-level recruits and kind of show, like, I'm, I'm a dude too, right? So yep. <laughs> how much do you look forward to an opportunity like this to, to put some great stuff on film and go up against some really, really high-level competition? Um, you know, it's exciting. You know, again, this opportunity to go up against, you know, another high recruit on the other side of the ball. Um, you know, this is a question that everyone's been asking, like, oh, is he really that good? Is he overrated or anything like that? So, you know, I'm just going to go out there and prove myself to everybody else. It's got to feel like you've been waiting for this game for, like, two months. <laughs> we have. It's been a while, been a while yeah. since you played a game where other people are, like, you know, interested in who the opponent is. Yeah. What does that feel like? Are you guys just chomping at the bit to get into action? You feel a little rusty? How are you doing? Um, no, nah, we don't feel rusty at all. You know, we we had that Sarah game. That's what everybody wanted to see, you know, that rematch again. But, um, you know, it's, we've been taking it like a normal game, treating it like a normal game. You know, they, they just have talent. We got more talent, too, though. We have way more talent than them, I feel like. Um, I feel like you you sort of mentioned it, Tyler mentioned it, right? Like these are the games that people, when people think about Long Beach Poly, these are the games they think about. No disrespect to the Moore League, no disrespect to Clovis, right? But like <laughs> Poly Losau Division One playoffs, like that's what people think about. I think it's, I, I don't know, it, it, They've met, you guys have met a lot in the playoffs. Um, how do you feel about your senior class really is who sort of restored that tradition here where you know, it had obviously been down for a couple of years. This yeah. year, you guys are nationally ranked. You're playing on TV in the Division One playoffs. Like, yeah. how much pride do you take in, in what your group kind of did to help bring that back? Uh, you know, the seniors take a lot of pride in that. You know, the seniors last year helped as well, you know, bring that. Uh, we were in Division we were in Division Four last year. Everybody was clowning us. You know, we couldn't we couldn't lose that game. That was our saying that whole <laughs> that whole week of the championship. We can't lose that game. So, you know, being going from Division Four to, you know, being Michigan Viejo to be ranked and going in Division One, you know, it feels good. You know, our seniors, we really take pride in that. And then last year, seniors, you know, they rooting us on. 
How much how much confidence do you pull from that playoff run um, that you had last year? You know, obviously it's a, a different level of competition next this time. You guys mm-hmm. know that, um, but you still went out and won all your games in a you know can't lose situation to get that CIF championship. Now you've gone undefeated this year. You know, how, how confident are you guys feeling as a group going into another big game? You, you've been there and done that. Now you, you get the chance to be kind of at home. Yeah. <laughs> You're playing at vets. But, you know, how much confidence have you pulled from the success you had last year in the playoffs and then now this regular season? I feel like we super confident, you know, like, you know, it's going to be a loud crowd. You know, that's, that was the uh, that was what Coach Barber was preaching to us. You know, you can't get distracted by the crowd. So, yesterday at practice, you know, he hooked up the speakers and had a loud crowd noise <laughs> playing the whole practice. So, uh, it should be a fun game. You know, that I feel like the crowd pumped everybody up for sure. Like, it was a cold day yesterday. Everybody was still turned up 100% energy. Big games, big high-powered, low-style offense, defensive, All-Americans at Long Beach Poly. This is what high school football is all about. Thanks for joining us, Dale. We appreciate it. Appreciate y'all. All right, uh, joined by Darius Curry, uh, DC1 quarterback. Big game coming up. Um, this is airing as a podcast, so, you know, choose your words wisely and all that stuff. But, uh, but you know, how, how are you guys feeling? Um, you know, what's the mood, you know, going into this game? Uh, to be honest, we got, a, we got a good mindset, you know. We just got to go. We just think about, like, just winning. That's the only really thing on our mind is going out there and winning. And if we give our all, we might. If we give our all, we're going to reach that. So we just got to go out there and do that. We talked to Dalen about this, but I think you're maybe even, in, you know, an even better person to talk about. When you transferred into this program, you're a Long Beach guy, very familiar with the history of Poly. This is the kind of game you're thinking about playing it, right? Yeah. Like with all due respect to everything that happened last year, D1, however many thousand people there at Vets mm-hmm. against Los Al, that's kind of what you're thinking about, yeah. right? Yeah, we think about like just like bringing bringing it back how it was back in the days, you know, when Vets was stacked top to bottom, side to side, so. Going out there and trying to sell the, sell the vet out, that's what we really do. Like, playing, playing on that big stage is really mean a lot for Bali. Uh, we were actually up there recording a little bit of a podcast talking about, like, the history of these two teams. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you guys don't play each other. You're not in the league. You know what I mean? You don't, you don't run into each other that often. You just always seem to run into each other in the playoffs when they have a really good offense and you have a really good defense. Do you take do you take that as a slight? Because you guys got a pretty good offense, too, but everybody this week is just talking about the low-sell offense. Yeah. Do you take that as motivation, a little billboard material? I, mean, I take it as a little motivation, but, you know, like, we just got to go out there. I'm going to go out there and do what I've been doing the last 10 games and just producing, producing for my team, just feeding my receivers. Have you been waiting for an opportunity like this? Because obviously the Moore League season, like, you put up some great numbers, but everybody kind of rolls their eyes like, oh, yeah, it's the Moore League or whatever. But, like, you did your thing against Sarah. You did your thing against Mission Viejo. You did your thing against Lutzinger. Like, you had tough games and played well. Have you been waiting for the opportunity to kind of re-remind people, like, hey, DC1 can ball too, right? Yeah, I feel like, I feel like they, they forgot a little bit because, you know, it's been, a, it's been a long season actually for a lot of people. And, you just go like game by game, and I like I kind of forgot like what, of what I've been doing. So, <laughs> so like just going out there, playing on that, playing on that big stage, and showing like what I'm really about. Like that means a lot to me. I feel like you you showed me a lot. I mean, you and I talked before the season about uh, last year was so frustrating for you with you getting hurt when mm-hmm. you did. And the way you came out against Sarah against Mission Viejo, it was like it didn't phase you in the slightest. What is that about your personality that you're like you can kind of jump into a situation like that and, and be as comfortable as you were? I feel like like I'm ready for the moment at all times. Like I'm like I'm trained to go. So whenever it's my time, I gotta go out there and show. Like I can't hold back and hesitate. And like when it, when it, when it's something's in front of me, I go gotta go out there and attack it. Really. All right, Darius. Thanks for joining us. Good luck on Friday. We'll see you out there. Appreciate it. All right, we're excited to be joined uh, live after practice uh, here at Historic Bertram Field by Poly head coach Stephen Barbie. Coach, thank you for joining us. What up, Long Beach? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, always a blessing to get to hang with y'all. You know, excited to. 
to have you on this beautiful Long Beach weather uh, yeah. evening. <laughs> yes, we're, we're out know. here under the drizzle. So what do you got going on? Anything going on this week? You just hanging out or what? No, well, you know, it uh, been hanging out in the rain the last couple of days, you know, with uh, about 70 of my closest friends. Um, no, we're excited. Um, you know, obviously getting to play Los Al um, in the Division I uh, playoffs. Um, really excited about it. Really excited about the matchup. Um, Excited just honestly, um, you know, with playoffs, there's a lot of retrospect into it. It's, it's, it's winter go home and, you know, talking with the kids and really having been with them from their journey, from turning in their pads last year to seeing just the incredible work that they've done and, and how they've grown as a team and, um, and, and fought through adversity and fought through a, just a, a, a whole bunch of stuff. And, you know, to see the seniors have an incredible season and, you know, put us in a place where, you know, we felt we could be and, and here we are. And to see Darius Curry have the season that he's having and, you know, you think of it, you know, a year ago he, he had ACL reconstruction. And, um, you know, it's just a, a true testament to, honestly, the, the, the kids of Long Beach and their stick to on it's us versus the world and um you know every every obstacle that they face this year you know they have met it head on they haven't backed down they haven't you know like we talked about in one of our our uh, pre-game meetings you know um you know 10 toes down we're not we're not budging we're here and and um you know just it, i couldn't be more proud to to lead these um this group of men and and this incredible group of coaches it's one thing I wanted to ask you about, coaches. It's an interesting format this year, having that bye week um, last week, coming off obviously a more league schedule that um, you guys handled pretty well. I think I can give that as an understatement. How does preparation for a game like this change when you get that extra week to prepare for an opponent? Is there anything that you do differently, or a coaching staff does differently, or is it really just you've got more time to work on stuff with your team getting that extra week? Um, you know, it. Uh we practice five days, <laughs> um, you know, and we have a full week of regular practice. I mean, it's business as usual. I mean, you know, we're not, not going to change anything at this point. You know, we had our game plan set um, last Monday and, you know, we were able to kind of just go over it through, um, you know, our inside run period, seven on 17, you know, all this different stuff and so, see what works, see what, you know, we might change, um, see where, you know, we might have some change ups. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, we haven't done anything that we haven't done in, in the in the regular season, um, you know. I th- and I think it's again a testament to the coaches being able to teach the kids our game plan week in and week out, and um, the kids grasping it and, and and they understand what's at hand. So, obviously, the media has been talking about the kids everybody's heard about the media, those media folk. <laughs> right. Gosh darn them. <laughs> Give us some underrated, under the radar, maybe like unsung heroes that we're going to see on Friday night that you think are going to go a long way in deciding the result. Uh, Noodles, our middle linebacker. Um, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a two-year starter. He's no surprise to any of us, and he's honestly kind of the heartbeat of our team. Um, but you know, he's he's really excited. Um, he he is a, a hammer in the middle, and um, you know, I think he's going to have a huge game. Um, I think. Our defensive line, um, I mean, Phoenix and, and Dom have done great. You know, Troy Tomasoa, Tana Noah. Um, yeah, our defense, gonna, I, I feel, is going to step up. Um, you know, Armani, um, you know, covering uh, some people in the slot. And, um, you know, offensively, 
uh, we have every single running back back. So we have a stable again, and, um, you know, our, our offensive line is going to do what it does, you know, keep Darius up and and uh, try to create some holes for our, our running back. So, um, you know, I think it's, especially when you're in a playoff game of this magnitude, it's very important. It's a team effort. It's not a two and three team you know, superstar team. And if it is, you're going to lose against a team. You know, there is, you know, football is such an incredible sport because every person, every 11 person, and even the 12th man, you know, we always, you know, our, our red tops, our, our scout team, like if they don't do their job in the week, right. we're not going to be ready come, come Friday night on offense, defense, and special teams. So, you know, football is that one game where, yeah, you can have a couple superstars and, and, and whatnot. That's great. But, you know what? One or two people, it's hard to beat eleven sometimes, yeah. and um, you know, and especially if you're, you know, coupled, you know, depth-wise deep on some positions to be able to get those fresh guys in and get them going. Um, you know, I, I, I again, I think um, we got a real great group of young men, and it's not one of those, you know, and and, and you've been around the group the whole year. It's, it's never been guys beating their chest it's about me it's it's them celebrating their their teammate whichever one decided to be the player of the game whether it's a a sophomore that gets put in he's our third running back and he runs for 200 yards against Milliken or you know or Raiden Brown or whoever it is and you know that's that's speaks volumes of the culture of this team and the culture of this program and um, you know really excited honestly I mean there's there's going to be um, you know, I think our superstars will make some plays, and I and I also think that just some of our blue collar guys, lunch pail guys, are going to come up big in big situations, and, and they've been coming up big in in you know our games all year long. So, and now just you know what, it's it's a you know game of the week. It's going to be packed out at vets, and um, you know it's going to be fun. Um, yeah, I just want to take a minute to kind of compliment you. I've, I've mentioned this to you before. We talked about it uh, when the bracket came out and you saw that Polly Losell. When you took this job, you mentioned, like, this is one of the few schools where it sort of rings a bell, right? Anyone who cares or knows anything about high school football knows about Polly. And these kinds of games are why you want a job like this, right? Um, how proud are you of what you guys have done over the years that you've been here to get the program back to this point to where you deserve to be in a game like this. You're number 20 in the country in USA Today. You're on TV in front of all these people at, at Vets in a Division I uh, playoff game against Los Al. You know, how much pride do you have in that? Um, an immense amount, you know, and it's not, you know, it, and my pride is more for all these young men that have, have bought into staying home at a public school that have, you know, kept the community feel of the east side of Long Beach, of all these coaches that um, work tireless hours. And, um, you know, they do it for the love of the kids. And um, it's great to be in a position like this. But, you know, make make no you know mistake. Like, the goal is not just to get in these games. The goal is to compete in these games, win these games, and, um, you know, be the best team you can be. Um, I feel that um, it's a great honor to be. You know, last year we we because of our our strength our our power rating we were put in Division Four. We had no control over. You know, this year we, you know, we ended up fifth in Division One. And again, that's completely out of our our control. We we all understand that. It's not something where, 
you know, we set a schedule to have a, you know, a, a competitive um, preseason and, um, you know, league is what it is. You know, all our league teams won playoff games. You know, you can't say that about the Sunset League or, you know, some other leagues, you know. And I think that speaks volumes of, of the, the the football in Long Beach. But at the same time, um, you know, our goal is to go 1-0 and each week. And, you know, however, you know, football speak it sounds, you know, it's <laughs> – and it does sound – you know, I mean, it's it's complete football speak. It does, but it's it also is, football and, speak and, for a reason. And, and, right? No, it, it is, though. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like there's no more important game than the game we're playing this week. And, um, you know, it, uh, you know, my brother always gives me a hard time, you know, the – you know they're the best team we're playing all week and it's you know what it's it's one of those things you just have to have a one-week mentality and especially in the playoffs it's you know we're either we're getting to play on friday night to have another tuesday and wednesday and monday practice to be able to come in on saturday and do our workout and watch film you know that's what we're playing for and i think the kids understand that and you know again i i couldn't be more proud of just especially this group the senior group you know they came in and you know, they've had, you know, some success with an undefeated COVID season, uh, CIF championship, and now they're undefeated again. And you know what? They're, they're ready to make some noise. And, you know, so is Los Alamitos. And, again, you couldn't ask for a more competitive-type game against a, a local team that, you know, we've gone back and forth with. Um, and, you know, they got a lot of stars. We got some stars on our, on our side. And, um Really looking forward to getting to play them 7.30 Friday night.